Welcome to the White Spring Bunker. These halls were built to safeguard some of the most prestigious members of the United States government. We are MODIS, and we are always looking for men and women capable of helping us restore what has been lost. In return, we offer this, a new enclave and our refuge from the world above. Please, take your time and look around. The Colonel has made great strides restoring this place to its former glory. Welcome, member, to our little enclave. Greetings, members. As always, I am the Operative, your designated tour guide and host here at the White Spring. Trader Red embarks on a journey into the mire, tasked with seeking a mysterious package. While Major Lilith pursues her father's research, attempting to perfect the forced evolutionary virus for her own benefit. The Colonel returns to Flatwoods, while Commander Sophia Daguerre is introduced to the White Spring Poker League. But it's the shadow of West Tech that looms large over Appalachia. There's an old saying, history repeats itself, or at least it rhymes. Red clambered over another set of rocks, which was just about all you could find hugging the ridges that bordered the Cranberry Bog and the Savage Divide. It was tough going, but from what the others had said, trying to walk straight up through the bog would have been suicide. Red's neck was chafing again. She stopped behind a large boulder to try to adjust the collar in a way that didn't dig into her skin quite so much. <coughs> that fucking asshole Vinny. As an bit of insurance, Vinny had slapped an explosive collar on her. He had said it was only to guarantee she actually returned the package, but she gave about even odds that he'd blow her head clean off after regardless. Once again, she cursed old Jimmy Boy, Vinny, and just about the whole wide wasteland for getting her into this mess. Of course, she didn't have any choice in the matter. Red had seen the Raider gangs back in Tennessee use similar collars for slave labor or just for support. She was right pissed, but that was just another bridge she'd have to cross, if she managed to survive the trip north anyway. Why the hell did he have to make it so? tight. Red muttered to herself as she attempted to adjust the bulky device. She froze when she heard a sharp beep. After waiting a couple of seconds to make sure her head was still attached to her body, Red slowly lowered her arms to her side and let out a deep breath. (sighs) Red was currently looking for a safe place to camp for the night. She had hoped to be further along, but Red had the dog leg around some kind of weird-looking compound covered in strange vines and trees north of the tunnel. She could smell it long before she came within sight of it. A fine mist of dust seemed to hang in the air, and it reeked of rancid blood. Catching glimpses as she scaled the rocks above, Red could see overgrown buildings, bonfires, and people wrapped in strange clothing. At one point, Red could have sworn she saw two glowing red eyes in the mist along the camp, but it had gone between blinks. No way, no how was she going to get mixed up in any of that, so she gave him a wide berth and didn't stop until she was well clear of the encampment. Red had seen something to the north, a huge concrete tower of some kind, and that's where she was headed even as the sun started sinking over the mountains. As she got closer, it revealed itself to be part of an enormous construction site. Giant concrete pylons rose out of the ground both to the east and west. If she had to guess, it appeared to be some kind of elevated train system. Huh. Just a train to nowhere now, ain't it? The pylons went up into the mountains and down across the Cranberry Bog until they disappeared into the mist. In front of her, the construction site towered far above. Climbing down from a rocky perch, she unslung her service rifle and descended into the small valley. 
The site was long abandoned even by other scavengers or wastelanders, probably because of its proximity to the compound to the south. As Red looked around, she found a few packs of preserved food that she stuffed into her pockets, some discarded scrap, and funny enough, an operable elevator. The fusion generator on site was still running, a testament to old American engineering. And well, Red had never ridden in an elevator before either. Here's to hoping I don't get stuck. Red was giddy as a schoolgirl as she pushed the button and felt the elevator rise slowly to the top of the pylon. doors opened, her eyes went wide as she took in the vista before her. Even in the dying light, she could see all the way down to Watoga in the south, and the inky blackness of the mire to the north. A sharp gust of wind came up, nearly blowing her hat from her head, but she caught it just in time. Whew! <laughs> that was close. Not gonna lose Pappy's hat. The platform she was on seemed stable enough, and she found a cozy little niche on the backside of the elevator, shielded from the wind to lay out a bedroll. Being a few hundred feet in the air, at least she didn't have to worry about the mirrored ghouls, supermutants, and other creatures infesting the region. As Red sat down with her back against the concrete, she tore open a pack of Instamash and some cram and then washed it down with some cranberry Nuka-Cola. Somewhere down below in the distance, she could see flashes of what could only have been some kind of firefight. It was too far away to hear anything, so she just imagined it was fireflies, just like they had back home in Tennessee. The lights flickered for a while, so she grabbed her bedroll and lay down, letting the vibrations of the platform and the wind lull her finally to sleep. Overseer gone again, Johns? Yeah, she seemed to be in an awful hurry to get back to Sutton. All she said was something had happened at Morgantown. Shit. Well, I got some more bad news. What is it this time, Tom? Richard went to check out the, uh, Ohio River Adventures place. The one we wanted to use for the ferry. Remember? Yeah, of course I remember. What did he find? Raiders. Ah, crap. How many? Yeah, too many. Richard couldn't get close enough to get a full count. But looks like they got some kind of Meyerlurk meat operation going. He could smell them cooking nearly a mile away. Johns took off his hat and brushed the sweat from his forehead before walking over to the map he tacked onto the wall. As he traced the Ohio River from Point Pleasant down to the Ohio River Adventure Park, he remembered his last conversation with Valeria. God damn it. What? She knew. She knew the whole damn time. Damn it all. Knew what? Valeria knew all about the Raiders. Hell, she must have known about the cultists too. It was all a setup, and I walked right into it. Oh, come on. Shit, and we weren't exactly covert with our plans for the ferry. And any idiot can see that Point Pleasant would have been the most logical choice. We ain't the only ones who can read a map. And the cult? Yeah, I bet she's been tracking them too. So if Point Pleasant was out, it wouldn't be hard to guess where we might look next. Shit. Johns just sighed and went back over to his desk to sit down. Don't care if she put them there, or if it's just bad luck. But we know the White Spring has a better relationship with Crater than we do. You thinking about cutting a deal? With the Raiders? Johns looked up at the ceiling, deep in thought. <sighs> what do we do? Well, here's what I expect is going to happen. 
Valeria's going to waltz in here and be all surprised the Raiders have set up shop exactly where we intended to build our ferry. Then out of the goodness of her heart, and the interest of all of Appalachia, she'll say she'll offer to act as a mediator between us and the Raiders. And we'll be forced to split ownership with the ferry 50-50. But functionally, the White Spring will control it all. <sighs> Fuck. I should have seen this coming. It hasn't happened yet. I gotta hand it to her. It's the smart play. And to be fair, we can't say no. The ferry is in everyone's interest, and it's our job, well, really our mission, to help people. The more trade is exactly what we need, even if it means sharing it with them. Eh, I still don't like it. Well, no one ever said this would be easy. Our mission requires sacrifice, but I'll be damned if we just lay down and let them take all our hard work. I got some ideas on how we can turn this in our favor, and guarantee that regular folks get what is rightfully theirs. I hope you're right, Johns. Me too, Tom. Me too. Johns! She's here! Alright, send her in. And remind them all about their weapons. Will do. Tom went out to greet their guests while John sat behind his desk. He played out the conversation dozens of times. He was sure Valeria believed she backed him into a corner. But this was a game that he could play too. John's fiddled with a pencil when Tom returned with Valeria in tow. If he didn't know any better, he would have said that there seemed to be an extra spring in her step. They give you any trouble, Tom? No, sir. They went across the street themselves to grab some chow in the diner. This is a friendly visit, Commander. My team isn't here to cause trouble. Of course not. Need anything else, Johns? As a matter of fact, yeah. The Colonel and I have a lot to discuss. Bring us over some coffee. Sure thing. Be right back. Tom gave an offhand salute before jogging back out of the door. Johns motioned to the empty chair in front of his desk. Lawyer removed her jacket and slung it over the back of the chair before sitting down. Well, how was the celebration? Inspiring. I'm sure it was. Have you had the chance to think about our proposal, Commander? As a matter of fact, we have. But we also have a problem. Just so happens that a whole gang of raiders decided to set up shop. Exactly where we intended to build the ferry. Valeria looked disappointed. If Johns didn't know better, he'd honestly believe she didn't know. That is unfortunate. First cultists and now raiders? We've been considering our options. Well, Commander, perhaps we can still be of assistance. Johns knew what was coming next. It was exactly as he predicted. And how exactly can you help us with those raiders? Not all of them are unreasonable. I would be happy to intervene, on your behalf, to get them to see the advantages of working together. Of course, they would expect something in return. Tom was bringing over two cups of coffee from the diner when he heard John's yelling from inside the church. He couldn't quite make out what the commander was screaming, but he guessed it was a long string of expletives that would have made a sailor blush. Guess everything is going to plan. Two hours later, Tom escorted Valeria back to her team. She'd accomplished exactly what she set out to do, as John's had no choice but to accept her assistance if they wanted to get their ferry project up and running. John's hadn't rolled over, though, because that would have made Valeria suspicious, or perhaps just more suspicious than she already was. 
However, in the end, Johns had extracted a few compromises for his efforts, to guarantee that the new responders would get what they needed for the people of Appalachia. As Valeria and her team marched out of Flatwoods, John stood at the door of the church and finished his cup of coffee. <laughs> Damn, Johns, you were right on the nose. Yeah, we all played our parts, Tom. We'll get the ferry, which I'll count as a win. The hard part, though, is going to be making sure everyone abides by the deal. Ugh, I can't believe we'll be working with raiders. After everything, it just doesn't seem right. I'm not worried about the raiders. They'll go where the cabs lead them. And even they can see it's in their best interest not to screw around too much. Valeria? Yeah, she's a viper, Tom. Whatever she's planning, whatever's coming out of White Spring, it ain't good for Appalachia. But just because we're going to play along doesn't mean we roll over either. Well, what are we going to do, Johns? Let's gather the others together. We need a plan of our own. Get on the horn to Foundation also. I have a proposition for Paige. Sounds good. Tom walked down towards the communications building while Johns watched the New River recruits feeding the Brahmin and sorting supplies. They embodied the spirit of the new responders, young, dedicated, and enthusiastic. But dark clouds were gathering on the horizon, and Johns knew the future was uncertain. But whatever was coming, he would make sure that they were ready for it. Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. Once Upon a Wasteland is their story. Follow Elizabeth Kirby and Odessa Valdez as they pursue their happily ever after in the post-apocalyptic Appalachian wasteland of Fallout 76. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. Once Upon a Wasteland, a Fallout 76 love story. Available now. Private McDonald didn't know exactly where he was going, but he knew it was someplace important, because the colonel said it was. That someplace important was just on the outskirts of the old Charleston ruins, at a place called AVR Medical. Ironically, that was also the same location the responders had tried, and failed to complete their own version of the Scorch vaccine. After Reclamation Day, a small group of Vault 76 medical techs had followed the clues left at the Morgantown Airport, and made their way to the facility, where they had finally been able to synthesize the vaccine themselves. Colonel Valeria saw the value in the vaccine and sent Team Beta to secure the research for the new enclave. While they hadn't been able to get all of it, copies of the vaccine and its associated research had spread to most of the other new settlements in the region, it was enough to ensure that the White Spring and its new inhabitants would be immune to the Scorch Plague. After that, AVR Medical had remained empty. Well, almost empty. McDonald followed the coordinates on his Pip-Boy and found himself in the front door of the medical center. Guess this is the place. Once inside, the private called up another map. This one was a layout of the facility, with a convenient track leading him deeper and deeper into the building. Stepping around a corner, McDonald's boots sunk into something soft and squishy. The smell hit him first, and when he looked down to find that he'd stepped in the rotting corpse of a feral ghoul. Ew. McDonald gingerly stepped out and over the body, almost into another one. 
Looking down the hallway, it appeared that an entire horde of ferals had been killed here. Kneeling next to one of them, he could tell it hadn't been shot. Instead, its head had been nearly decapitated. The rest had suffered nearly the same fate, all killed with a blade or in some cases what appeared to be bare hands. McDonald's Pip-Boy beeped, indicating he was getting closer to his destination. Adjusting the pack on his back, Private walked past the last of the bodies before descending a staircase down to the bottom of the facility. At least he thought it was the bottom. Lab equipment and debris were strewn about the floor, but there was a clear path through to a security door on the far wall. Just where the heck am I going? McDonald made his way over to the door and watched as a keypad emerged from the wall. Looking down at his pipway again, he entered the eight-digit code and was rewarded with a green light, a beep, and then watched as the security door opened in front of him. Stepping through the doorway, the private heard a snap of two ceiling-mounted laser turrets. The barrels rotated to point at him, but then retracted once they detected no threat. Realizing he'd been holding his breath, McDonald exhaled loudly before slowly walking down the corridor, then down another set of stairs. Unlike the building above, these corridors were pristine. Even the air smelled, well, like nothing at all. At the end of the hallway, there was another set of doors which opened automatically as he approached. Once inside, the doors closed, and McDonald flinched as he was sprayed with a fine mist from nozzles mounted in the ceiling. Oh, crap. After a minute, the spray stopped and there was a loud beep from the console and the next set of doors. They opened and McDonald was surprised by someone wearing a suit of power armor standing in the doorway. You are the heathen named McDonald. Uh, yeah? You are late. The Herald is waiting. Follow me. McDonald had heard of Malgus, but had never met him at the bunker. The man rarely, if ever, left his power armor and was utterly devoted to Major Lilith. He was also considered certifiably insane. Sure, sure. Whatever you say. Malgus just sneered and walked back down the corridor, with McDonald following a respectful distance behind. As they approached another set of doors, the private could hear the beeping of computers and the sound of animals. Malgus pressed a large red button, and the door slid open to reveal a large laboratory space. The room was impeccably clean, nearly sterile in appearance. Along one wall was a row of cages, some occupied by more rats, others with giant ticks while several large ones contained marble canines. The other walls were covered in either computer terminals or large chalkboards, each containing diagrams, chemical formulas, and mathematical equations far beyond anything McDonald could even begin to understand. There was also a row of tables with all kinds of scientific equipment, including multiscopes, analyzers, centrifuges, and other research equipment that Private had only seen in books. In the middle of it all, hunched over a terminal and typing loudly, was someone wearing medical goggles and a white lab coat. Damn. The gene sequencing is failing. Again. This strain is far too unstable. I need better samples. McDonald stiffened. He had guessed that Major Lilith was around, with Malgus as his escort. But to be in the same room with her, it was something that most members avoided like the plague. Maybe if I cross-reference the refractory RNA with the latest genotypes. Lilith was completely engrossed in her work and only stood up when she heard Private McDonald cough. Smiling, she turned around. Oh, goody! Our guest of honor has arrived. Lilith pranced over to the private and did a little bow. She was quite the sight to see, and while Lilith might have been wearing a pristine lab coat, she still sported her signature face paint, which may or may not have been actual paint, or the blood that most suspected it was. Uh, ma'am, the colonel sends her regards. Of course she does. Val takes good care of things, doesn't she? Shh! Can't you see we have guests? 
McDonald was shocked when the animals all quieted down. Don't worry. They're just hungry. Like me. It's the FEV, you see. A little side effect. FEV? Fev? Oh, sorry. Not everyone knows. Forced evolutionary virus. Something the military at Westec were playing around with before the war. A virus? That sounds dangerous. Are you sure you should be messing with something like that? Private McDonald, right? You do look familiar. Have we met before? Yes, Major. And I work on logistics with Captain Reynolds. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. Malgus! Why don't you go check on the twins while I take our guest on a tour? Malgus took one last look at McDonald before leaving out of another set of doors. The twins? Oh, they're just the cutest little pets you ever did see. I'll introduce you to them later. But first, let me show you around. Lilla took McDonald by the arm and started leading him around the lab space. If anyone's equipped to mess with it, it's definitely little old me. But how rude of me. Welcome to my little home away from home. It has everything I need. Plus, no one bothers me either. Most of this was already here. Just needed a little bit of the old elbow grease to get it all up and running. Over here, this is where I work on the actual viral samples. Slicing and dicing the genome to get out all those pesky little side effects. And over there is where I do the testing. My friends, those cute little critters you saw, well, they're part of my process. See, I need to see how different species react to my tweaks and changes. Sometimes I get a little too rambunctious, and that's when it gets really messy. McDonald's head was spinning. Lilith was talking a mile a minute about things that were so far above his head that she might as well have been speaking Chinese. I started small, you see. Mole rats, mongrels, wolves, and they helped, but just not enough. I need more samples, more test subjects. The more the better, actually. Excuse me, Private. That's my latest test batch. Been messing with various gene strains and combinations of DNA. It's all so complicated, but still so much fun. Just last week, I got this really interesting strain. But it did have one particularly nasty side effect. The subject ate itself. Fascinating to watch, but not very productive. Lilith skipped over to the terminal and began typing furiously on the keyboard. Hmm. Overall matrix is stable. RNA sequencing looks good. The combination is complete. Ooh, this is very, very interesting. Okay, let's get the sample prepared. McDonald was left twiddling his thumbs while the Major continued whatever she was working on. The animals in the cages appeared to be fixated on it, their greenish-yellow eyes not even blinking, just staring. He took a couple of steps over to take a better look. The private was very familiar with the common wasteland creatures, but these were definitely unusual. The mole rats had several more legs than normal, and their large teeth were serrated now, and instead of just two eyes, at least one of the mole rats had eyes covering its entire body. The mongrels were even bigger, looking almost like a cross between themselves and mutant hounds. 
Instead of growling, they hissed at him. Their jaws appeared to unhinge themselves, revealing multiple upon multiple rows of teeth and a long forked tongue. Oh my god. And he backed directly into Lilith. Admiring my handiwork? Isn't it lovely? So many interesting mutations. None really successful, but each was certainly a learning experience. Just like my dear old dad used to do. This isn't human. I'm so happy you came. Come on, I have something else to show you. Private McDonald couldn't object as Lola grabbed him by the arm again and pulled him towards another door at the other side of the lab. Once through, he found himself in what looked like an operating theater. In the middle was a long gurney, surrounded by medical equipment. And this is where the magic happens. This new strain has promise, but I won't know until I test it. Looking around, McDonald didn't see any test animals. Oh, right. Through a side door, two enormous mutant hounds pranced into the room with chains around their necks, held just barely by Malgus. Whoa, whoa, whoa! McDonald panicked and backed himself against the wall. Lilith just smiled as she walked over to the hounds, who immediately sat, panting in front of her as she scratched their heads. These are my girls. This one is Lizzie, and this other little darling is Betty. Found them out in the field by West Tech. Orphans. And they must have thought I was their mother. I mean, I probably smell a bit like them, with all the FEV still running through my veins. What? You're infected? Silly boy. Infected is such an outdated term. Dear old dad injected me a long time ago, that virus of his, and, well, it changed me. Not like the stupid green super mutants out there. It made me better. It made me special. You're... you're insane! Now, now, now. Crazy, maybe. But insane? Please. McDonald was reaching for his weapon when the two hounds reacted, leaping towards him and growling. So rude. Girls, don't eat him. We need him in one piece. What? What are you talking about? Well, Val said I couldn't experiment on people, said it could be too dangerous. But then she remembered that you were in Flatwoods. Flatwoods? I don't know what you're talking about. Silly boy. See, Val told me everything. You, Reynolds, the others, and what you did. Now I've done far, far worse, but Val is a stickler for making things right. I mean, she'll get to all of you eventually, but the mission comes first, she said. Well, I said, pretty, pretty please. And she does owe me. Lilith started walking towards McDonald, who saw his life beginning to flash before his eyes, caught between the two menacing mutant hounds and the devil herself. Don't worry. I don't think it'll hurt too much. And I do need to see how close I'm getting. I have a nice cage picked out already, and lots of meat too, just in case you get hungry. The private opened his mouth to scream, but Malgus was faster and punched McDonald with just enough force to knock him out cold onto the floor. All right, girls. You did good. Real good. Malgus, let's get started, shall we? Malgus picked up the private like a ragdoll and dropped him on the gurney. 
Lilith pulled out a long scalpel and cut away McDonald's clothing and tied him down with heavy leather straps. Lilith took the large syringe and stood over McDonald, finding the vein in his neck. Plunging the needle in and pressing the plunger down, she smiled as her newest FEV string flowed into the private. In an hour or so, she'd get to see the results, and she hoped that they weren't boring. Protect and serve. Protect and serve. Before the war, the White Spring Resort was the playground for the rich and famous. From Hollywood actors and captains of industry to presidents, both current and former, and important politicians, they were feted as kings and queens as the staff, both human and robotic, tended to their every need. Over 25 years later, the same conference rooms, which hosted high-stakes international negotiations and visitors from all over the world, were now the home of a different high-stakes contest, the White Springs Poker League. Inside straight. Full house. Four of a kind. Bullshit. Lieutenant, are you doubting my hand or my skill? Goddamn cheaters, a lot of you. I swear, I don't understand how you talk me into this. Because Thomas is out hunting cryptids again, and we needed a fourth. Then why is Douglas here? Aren't you supposed to be out monster hunting too? That's Team Sigma's job. We just point them in the right direction. Anyways, my leg is still not quite 100%. Skinner's got me on light duty for another two weeks. You lucky SOB. I gotta take Gamma back up to West Tech tomorrow. What's up? Been hearing a lot about West Tech lately. Super mutants are getting a bit antsy. For the last couple of years, they've been staying close to home. Mostly around West Tech, Huntersville, and the big isolated array. So, what changed? Beats me. Tyson's the real expert, to be honest. He's been sending reports about these weird seismic events. Seismic what now? Earthquakes. Not big ones, mind you. But enough to rattle the super mutants, that's for sure. First, they were fighting amongst themselves. And about a month ago, they started sending out these small war parties to attack local settlements. That's bad business. Those green fuckers are tough. I wouldn't want to get anywhere close to them without power armor. Damn straight. Colonel's got us keeping a close eye on things. Warning settlements if we see any of them moving in that direction, getting more data from MODIS, but we're not supposed to engage. Hell, after what happened when we first tried to investigate West Tech, I'm not anxious to try. So what happened? <laughs> Minigun go burr. Very funny, Sullivan. But seriously, we lost good people. The colonel figured whatever was in that building wasn't worth the lives. Hey, whose turn is it to deal? Mine. Here, hand me those cards. I want to check them anyway to see if y'all marked them. Don't look at me. Me neither. Sure, sure. I'm gonna be watching you. Get those caps in the middle, folks. I'm down 50 and looking to make a comeback. Good luck with that. I fully expect to bust here shortly, the way these two are playing. The poker game continued with both Sullivan and Bitter taking the majority of the hands, with Douglas barely holding his own. Well, Jones was finally down to his last stack of caps. Looks like my last hand, gentlemen. Maybe Bitter can loan you some. Oh, I don't do credit, Sullivan. Spoil sport. We lose Jones and we have to go back to the barracks, you know. I'll be happy to limp out of here dead even. Well... We'll see about that. I can't believe you're both this lucky. 
We survived getting a mountain dropped on us, you know. Uh, it, it was more like a small hill. And we survived Lilith, too. To be honest, that's more impressive than your hill story. Don't remind me, okay? I still have nightmares. That's what bourbon is for. There ain't enough booze in Appalachia, Sullivan. Speak for yourself. Here, take your damn cards. Let's see if I can get out of here with a little dignity. Good luck, Jones. Jones looked down at his hand. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either. Neither Bitter nor Sullivan bothered to wear their poker faces, and Douglas looked a bit dejected with whatever hand he'd been dealt. The betting went around the table until Jones was forced to put down his last ten caps. That's it for me. Then I call. Me too. I'll raise. Nah, I call too. Alright then. Full house. Kings and fives. Oh damn, beats me. Just three of a kind. Not bad, Jones, but Aces and Jacks beats that. Damn it! Well, looks like it's my lucky day again. Four of a kind. Read em and weep. You've got to be kidding me. Crap. Well, there goes my dignity. Thank you all for your generous donations to my cigar fund. Hey, I'm not finished. I swear I'm gonna get all my caps back. I'd love to stay, but I'm dead broke. Like I said, I got an early morning. I swear, though, when I get back, I will take you all down. <laughs> Good luck, Lieutenant. Jones left in a huff while the others just laughed. Guess that means we're done. Hey, now. You fellows aren't closing up for the night, are you? Major, sir. Well, Lieutenant Jones was dead broke, and we don't have a fourth. Excuse me, are you all playing poker? Yes, ma'am, we are. Uh, but who are you? Gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Commander Sophia de Gure. You can just call me Sophia. Wait a second. You're the astronaut, aren't you? A what now? An astronaut. And yes, I was. Now, if that does beat all... Ah, well, it's a long story, gentlemen. But perhaps if you let the lady join you, she can tell you all about it. Oh, Andrew, I couldn't possibly intrude. Nonsense. I'm sure they would be happy to have you. Right? Uh, sure, sir. Does Sophia happen to have any caps? Sophia looked up at Stein and shrugged her shoulders. Well, here you go, Sophia. This should make things interesting. Stein reached into his pocket and pulled out a leather sack and handed it to Sophia. Then I guess we aren't done yet. Miss Sophia, why don't you take a seat and old Bitter here will deal with cards. Alright, guys. You take good care of her. I have to go downstairs to operations, but I'll be back later. Thank you, Andrew. I'm sure I'll be fine. The men were a little surprised when Sophia hugged Stein before watching him leave. Yes, formal introductions are in order. I'm Private Sullivan. This here's Bitter, both a name and an attitude, let me tell you. And this is Lieutenant Douglas from Team Cryptid. Team Cryptid? Oh, the ones that fought that Assaultron. Yes, ma'am. So very brave of you. I can't imagine what that must have been like. Don't get me wrong, Douglas is a hero and all, but I'm pretty sure he spent most of his time behind a terminal. Am I right? Shut up, Sullivan. Not funny. Kinda funny. Ignore them, Sophia. Kids today, uh, am I right? <laughs> An honest-to-goodness astronaut. I mean, <laughs> I'm no spring chicken. And it occurs to me that we, uh, we ain't launched anyone into space in, uh... About 28 years. 
You're not wrong, Mr. Bitter. I don't remember much about my last mission, but I was in some kind of suspended animation. To me, 2077 was just yesterday, figuratively. Really? One minute, I'm up in space with my crew. Then the next, I'm crashing into that place you call the mire. Andrew has been trying to help me remember what happened. Or what the heck my mission really was. You don't know? Unfortunately, no. But we haven't been able to find the mission recorder or what happened to the rest of my crew either. It's so confusing. On top of getting used to this new world. I mean, I guess the closest any of us could get to that was the feeling of leaving Vault 76 for the first time. It certainly wasn't what we were told to expect. So, you're all from Vault 76 too? Everyone except Bitter here. He's from Pennsylvania. Outside of Pittsburgh, to be precise. Of course, they just call it the pit nowadays. Appalachia, for all its faults, is a sight better than that place. Wow. It's all still so strange to me. The pit? Scorched? Mothmen? Killer robots? It's like living through an episode of The Silver Shroud. <laughs> Love those old shows. They had recordings of them in the vault. A friend of mine, he's not around anymore. He's a huge fan of the Unstoppables. Man to Man was his favorite. Oh, yeah. The Mistress of Mysteries was always mine. When I was a kid, I used to dress up like her and fight imaginary villains. Funny enough, I heard rumors that the Mistress of Mystery herself used to live around here. Shannon Rotate Rivers? I think that was her name. Rotate Don't know where exactly. You should ask the Major, though. I'm pretty sure he knows. That would be amazing. Thank you, Sullivan. Don't mention it. Ready to play some cards? You do know how to play, right? I might have played a few hands back in the day. I'll be fine. Good to hear. Don't expect us to take it easy on you. If uh, nothing else around here, we do take our poker seriously. Honestly, I need the distraction. Give me your best shot. All right, Sophia. Auntie's 10 caps, and you can raise up to 20. Sophia nodded, and Douglas dealt the cards. Sullivan was already angling to see how quickly he could lay claim to the astronaut's stash of caps, while Bitter was more interested in taking the rest of Sullivan's. Surprising them all, Sophia waged aggressively, but still took three cards. Sullivan figured he had the hand in the bag with another inside straight, while Bitter was confident with another three of a kind. All right, let's see what you have. Inside straight. Three kings. Crap, just got two pair. And you, Sophia? Aces and eights. What? Well, I'll be. I guess I forgot to mention, being in space gives you a lot of time to play cards. <laughs> Looks like we got a contender here, boys. Could you grab me one of those cigars and uh, maybe some whiskey? I'll deal the next hand if you don't mind. <laughs> Sophia proceeded to shuffle the cards like an expert dealer from the Lucky 38. It took a long puff from a freshly lit cigar, blowing a perfect smoke ring towards the ceiling. Okay, now how about we double the ante and triple the blinds? That was a collective <sighs> groan from Sullivan, Bitter, and Douglas, and the White Spring Poker League would never be the same again. Doesn't. 
Hi, I'm Firewriter, and I'm the host of The Pixel People, a podcast dedicated to taking a close look at our favorite characters from our favorite video games. From major characters who define the course of a game's storyline, to smaller characters who you might have never noticed. Every week, we go beyond the quest line to examine a particular character's story arc and choices, and discover the real-world parallels and life lessons hidden just below the surface. I hope you'll join us. You can find the Pixel People on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Sergeant Tyson watched the super mutants milling in front of West Tech and swore under his breath. Something wasn't right. He could feel it in his bones. The team had been forced to move their listening posts a half a dozen times in the past month as the mutants kept sending out war parties and patrols. It was a lot more organized than he'd ever seen before, and it was much as he hated to admit it that scared him. The big ugly green guys were tough, but ordinarily stupid. A few times, early on, some of the super mutants would stumble on one of their patrols or run into a listening post but it had been usually easy to distract them or just have them lose interest as soon as they were out of sight. But now it was getting ugly. Just the week before, Corporal Samantha spent nearly an hour playing hide-and-seek with two super mutants who just wouldn't let go of her track. Since when do super mutants follow tracks? Since never, that's when. What was that, Sergeant? Just talking to myself again, Corporal. Anything new from command? Nothing since this morning. As far as the Kovac can tell, no new war parties have left since two days ago. I don't like it. There's too many of them down there, and we've seen just as many of them in Huntersville. It's like they're planning something. Super mutants don't plan. They eat, kill things, and eat some more. And your little experience last week, Corporal? They were probably just really hungry. When's the lieutenant supposed to be back? Command said he'd be leaving today, so before the end of the week. Alright, send word to Sugar Grove and give them an update, just in case we see any of the mutants moving in that direction. I'm going to check in with the private and see if he has any better view from up by the memorial. We might want to move camp up there anyway. We're too exposed down here. Yes, Sergeant. Corporal Samantha went back to their camouflage tent and started relaying the latest information to the new Enclave team stationed at the old DIA facility at Sugar Grove. Well, Tyson scanned West Tech again before slinging his rifle and hiking back up the road towards the old Raider Memorial. After David Thorpe's girlfriend, Rosalind, died in the Christmas flood of 2082, the Raider King erected a private memorial to her overlooking West Tech. No one would have ever considered the former Arctos farmer executive turned Raider King to be an old softie. But Roslyn was perhaps the only person in the world he actually cared about, and putting the memorial so close to the hub of the super mutant activity meant that the other raiders wouldn't go looking for it either. Nowadays, it provided an excellent view of the backside of West Tech, and Tyson had set up a small listening post to keep an eye on things. It took Tyson a good hour to make the climb up to where Private Johansson was stationed, but he'd feel a lot better once he had a better picture of just what the super mutants were doing. When he approached, Tyson whistled and received a whistle in return from the private. Private, what's happening? 
More of the same, Sergeant. I was gonna call in and let you know. Didn't need to make the trip all the way up here. Wanted to see with my own eyes. Not that I don't trust you, Private, but the hairs are all standing up on the back of my neck. Well, see for yourself. Tyson put down his rifle and crawled up to the lip of the cliff and trained his binoculars on the building below. From this vantage point, he could see the top of West Tech and the rear courtyard. Super mutant blood bags, compacted balls of meat of every description, were hung from the railings and scattered around the complex. The mutants themselves were gathered in several groups, surrounded by mutant hounds. Tyson couldn't tell what they were doing, but they appeared to just be talking. How long have they been like this? Uh, maybe a week or so, I think. You think? I mean, yes, a week. There were a few more of those tremors and some commotion down there. And they seemed to group up. And you didn't think to report it? I mean, they aren't really doing anything. Private, I told you to report anything unusual, and that down there is unusual. Yes, Sergeant. And the earthquakes? Any different than before? Now that you mention it... Private, seriously? Sorry, Sergeant. Just tell me. Well, it was like they started down south. I could see a bunch of the mutant hounds running around, like they were chasing something, but there was nothing there. Then it was like it centered right on the building. Saw a couple of barricades top over, too. Mutants got all crazy, like, and were running around, too. And then? It just stopped. Stopped? Yes, Sergeant. After a bit, the mutants all calmed down, too. At least I think they did? A punch ran off. Didn't really see where they went. Tyson scowled. He wasn't happy with Johansson's attitude. The whole point of their mission was to keep a close eye on what was happening here. And by the sounds of it, something was. And they knew precious little about it. Private, we're gonna have a little talk about your attitude when the lieutenant gets back. We need more information now rather than later. So... You're going on a little scouting expedition. What, Sergeant? I know the Colonel's orders, but the situation has changed. I need you to get as close as you can to gather intel. If you stay upwind from the hounds, you should be okay. But, Sergeant, there are a lot of mutants down there. Exactly. Be smart, be careful, and I expect you back by sunset, understand? Johansson looked down at West Tech then back up to the sergeant. Understood, sergeant. Good, now I recommend you circle the back. There is more cover, and you will be upwind of those hounds. Get as close as you can, and see if you can catch what they're saying. Getting caught isn't an option. The private nodded nervously before collecting his rifle and pack. If you run into any problems at all, bug out. Yes, sergeant. Johansson started hiking back behind the memorial and down the hillside. Tyson kept watch until the private disappeared into the trees. It would take him a couple of hours to get into position, so the sergeant went back to watching West Tech. At that moment, one of the groups of super mutants dispersed, and Tyson focused in on where they had been standing. What the hell? There was something drawn on the dirt and several sticks, which must have been used as writing instruments, which were laying alongside. As Tyson refocused his binoculars, he couldn't make out any words but his heart sank when he finally recognized what the supermutants had been drawing in the dirt and discussing. It was a map. 
of Appalachia.
Of course you would. Now, where'd I put her frequency? Anomalous signal detected. Analyzing. Military encryption confirmed. Transmission source unknown. Transmission content unknown. Frequency isolated. Running decryption subroutines. Official log notations deleted. Signal rerouted to our mainframe. There is no need to inform the Colonel until we determine the source and content of the transmission and we determine how best to utilize it to our Advantage. End of line. Hi, everyone. I'm Chris. And I'm not. We're not doing that routine right now. We're trying to do an advertisement. Oh, fine. I'm Sir Aloysius Pernicious, the better half of the team at One Wall Comedy. Okay, I wouldn't go that far. Anyway, come check us out on YouTube. We're your number one source for independent sketch comedy on the internet. Yeah, because that's such a big market. All right, come on. Let's get out of here. I'm getting paid for this, right? Don't push your luck. Thank you again, members, for joining us here on The Modus Files. If you've enjoyed this content, please subscribe. And better yet, please leave a review to help others find our little enclave. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Modus Files, for more information about our podcast, Fallout 76 content, and random musings on the Enclave. I'd also like to thank our cast, Pandora Beatrix as Colonel Valeria Faustina, Lucy Middleton as Major Lilith Hallister, XO1 King as Major Andrew Stein, Maria Cheshire as Rose the Raiderbot, Chrissy Williams as Trader Red, Ray Middleton as Commander Johns, Josh Smith as Tom, Austin Landes as Private McDonald, Mark Hosworth as Bitter, Austin Rogers as Lieutenant Jones, Tim Young as Private Sullivan, Eric Gold as Lieutenant Douglas, Jessica Starr as Commander Sophia Daguerre, Chris Smith from One Wall Comedy as Malgus and Private Johansson, Monty Wildhorn as Sergeant Tyson, Casual McCorset as Corporal Samantha, and Brad Williams as the voice of Modus. And a shout out to the Apocalyptic Aristocracy Discord, home to a great group of fellow creators, the Robots Radio Podcast Community, and the rest of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, the Fallout 5.0 New Responders Community Group, and Jeremiah Johnson, our favorite character artist who provided the wonderful character artwork you can find on our website. Stay tuned for our next exciting episode, Seeing Red. Lastly, thank you to all of our subscribers and supporters. God bless the Enclave and God bless America. Members, we look forward to your next visit to our little Enclave.